You're listening to the Deep Dive with Jason Sarney, a Miami Dolphins podcast on the Fanatics Network. And uh, I'll lead in a couple of seconds here. I want to make sure everything is set up. All right. Okay. Hello, everybody. Jason Sarney here with FinManiacs.com and another edition of the Deep Dive. And I have a terrific guest for you all right now. We have Antoine Staley, currently covers the Carolina Panthers for the Riot Report and is a former Miami Dolphin beat writer who worked for USA Today. And we're going to talk with him about current football, Dolphins, and we're going to go back into the 90s because I know he's an individual like myself who loved living in that decade so without further ado welcome Antoine good morning to hey, you. hey how you doing doing real well so I hope all is well with you obviously it's a crazy time in this world and usually we should be talking late July about full-fledged training camp battles everything going smooth in football but of course that's not the case at the moment so we'll be remiss to not talk about the COVID-19 situation and how it's playing out with football right now so in your opinion and in your knowledge how do you think we're going to be seeing football and what are your thoughts on the whole process of what's going on right now? Uh, it's weird. It's definitely um, odd times. Uh, you got training camp at some point it's going to start. Uh, I know players are starting to report this week. The rookies uh, for the Panthers are starting to report today, uh, but a lot of them are going to be tested even before they step into the facility. So we don't know necessarily when we're going to have true practice for any team really because it's going to be so much that has to happen before teams are able to start practicing full time. And, uh, and also it's going to be a conditioning period. Uh, it seems like it's not going to be any preseason games. It seems like the NFL uh, end up saying that they end up giving that to the players association last night. So yeah, definitely uh, seems like it's a long road ahead, uh, especially with the season starting in September that they're getting the players to where they need to be, especially without no off-season work. Typically, um, in May and June, they have an off-season program, obviously, with everything going on, they wasn't able to do that. So it's, it's definitely an interesting time. It's, gonna, it's a weird off-season, and it's going to be a different type of training camp this year. Speaking of the training camp, and usually you see battles, you see all those undrafted free agents, you see some maybe veterans on the fringe, but more importantly, the young guys. How do you think this affects those young guys with the inability to showcase themselves for really two full games in the preseason and, of course, all the full, full-fledged maybe scrimmages within those local teams cross-conference? You know, the Dolphins and the Buccaneers would always kind of cross-practice sometimes, you know. So without that ability, what do you think about those young guys who haven't proven themselves yet? What do they have to do? Well, I mean, you know, well, if you watch training camp practices, you know, players are still going to have that opportunity to showcase themselves. It'll just be in a different way. It won't be in front of millions watching. It'll be more or less in front of reporters and coaches watching. And they're, they're going to have the same opportunities. Uh, if you watch training camp practices uh, throughout, especially uh, the years I've been doing it, you know who's going to make the team. You know who's good. You don't even have to watch preseason games. It's just kind of like another added thing to help help out uh, the, when you're making the decisions with the roster. So uh, I, I definitely think you won't have as much – the rookies won't have it on tape. Like if they end up getting 
cut like undrafted rookies or anything like that. But play the players and coaches know, and they also know that uh, even if their players were to get cut, NFL is still a small circle where players would, I mean, players will still get another opportunity elsewhere. So I definitely think they're still going to get the same opportunity. It's going to be different. It's still going to be scrimmages against uh, other players and uh, uh, throughout the course of camp, but it's just going to look a lot different and it'll probably be a little bit later in camp as opposed to early on like it is, like it normally is during the first week or two um, through any other training camp uh, session that we they, they normally have. Feel you there. And in terms of, you mentioned, you know, and you've covered the Dolphins specifically, and if you're speaking to the Dolphins the last couple of seasons, specifically last year, you know, and this was on Twitter uh, within the last 24 uh, hours, I saw you, you made a comment, you know, sometimes you just know you got like Preston Williams last year, Nick Needham last year, you know, one guy had a tremendous, you know, preseason, the other guy not so much in the preseason performance wise, but you just knew the eye test proved it and can you maybe go back a couple of years obviously you know a couple of years ago when you were with the Dolphins or even through your own eye test what guys in your experience were maybe undrafted or unproven that you knew in preseason not necessarily the games but just from your coverage I was oh this guy's making the team this guy's going to be a starter any guy top three guys or two guys stick out in the last few seasons for you well, I know uh, the Joe Shad ended up, uh, who covers the Dolphins for the Palm Beach Post, he ended up putting out that tweet saying that, yeah, you just know. Like, we know the guys that are going to be good. And that's kind of how it was in 2017 and 18 when I was there. I remember uh, Maurice Smith was there, Tory Retire was there, and they were guys that came in as undrafted. And you just know. You, you, you can tell who's good or not. Uh, it's, it's, it's clear and simple. It's, uh, you can just tell when they step up on the field if they have a chance or not. It, some guys, yeah, it may take them a little time, a couple of weeks there or two, but oftentimes you, you have a feeling that, yeah, this guy's definitely going to make the team or he's at least going to be on the practice squad uh, with a chance to make the team somewhere or the other. And on the flip side, uh, you had a guy like Deion Jordan, who I covered with the Dolphins too. You can just tell, like, yeah, this guy, yeah, he's not really good either. Right. So, yeah, not to break <laughs> up bad memories for the Dolphins, but um, <laughs> Dolphin fans, but yeah. You can just you can just both sides you can, both sides you can really tell who's really good and who's not. Within just a few couple of weeks of practices, uh, anybody that watches football, you know, has knowledge of it. You you can just instantly tell uh, within the first few weeks there. Well said. And there again this season, the Dolphins bring in a number of undrafted free agents. A couple of kids already making waves. Uh, I don't know if you're extremely familiar with some of these undrafteds in Miami. I'm sure you are with the Carolina fans. We'll touch on both. But first and foremost, I have one name I want to throw out there. And in your football yeah. experience, are you familiar with wide receiver Kirk Merritt? Yes, I am. Yes. What are your thoughts on Kirk? And what are your thoughts on a player? I mean, he's got raw ability. Do you think he's got a chance to be maybe the slot kind of version of a Preston Williams or maybe creep out of nowhere and become a staple receiver eventually for the Dolphins? I think so. I think you're in a good situation with the Dolphins. And uh, I know the Panthers are kind of going through the same thing with the Dolphins did last year where they have a, they had a turn of turnover and you got a, you know, a lot of young players and a young roster. I think what helps him is simply because that you still have a collection of a lot of new young players and some veterans that are kind of missed in there as well. And yeah, he had definitely has that raw ability where I feel like he might be like the fifth or sixth, depending on how many receivers the Dolphins want to keep on the roster. I definitely think that uh, that's definitely going to factor in. But um, at the end of the day, the man can play. You can tell, you put on the tape, you can understand how good he is and what he can do uh, and possibly project at the next level. 
So I definitely think he has a real opportunity to possibly make the team. If not make the team, he's definitely going to be on the practice squad there. And I expect the practice squad to be extended this year with everything going on. And I think you'll see him at some point throughout the course of the season, whether it be by injuries or, uh, God forbid, nobody gets sick or anything like that. But, yeah, I definitely think he has a real opportunity to make it in the NFL there, especially with his ability. A lot of hype coming out of the Dolphin circles on social from this individual. And if you can give, you know, another uh, name for maybe on the Panthers side of things, is there offensive defense, doesn't matter, or anything that you know a kid to maybe watch for? Not necessarily a name that everyone knows, but who are we keeping an eye on in Carolina? Well, for me, it would be uh, Rodney Smith from Minnesota, running back there. Uh, I know, obviously, the Panthers had Chris McCaffrey there, but they're looking for a solid guy that can come in and kind of take some uh, pressure off of him, make some carries. Uh, I'm, McCaffrey counted for like 97% of their offense as far as uh, carries last year. I, I think they want to want to get that number down a little bit. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, a whole lot less, but it, they definitely don't want to continue to have him carry the load like he did last year. So they're looking for a solid number two guy, and I definitely think he'll have the opportunity. Anytime you get a talented young guy that ended up rushing for over 1,000 yards in the Big Ten uh, conference where they ended up just uh, grinded out running to Chopper Conference, I definitely have to think you have to take notice. And I definitely think he'll have a really good opportunity to uh, showcase himself and uh, make a roster for the Panthers this year, especially a roster, Panthers roster that has so much turnover. You end up having less than 50% of the players that took snaps for him are gone. They're, end up, they're gone. They end up moving on. So they, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what him and some of the underdrafted and undrafted rookies are able to do in their first year. I really like that comparison because, you know, if you, if Christian McCaffrey hears, don't tell him that he can't run up the middle or he can't do the things <laughs> yeah. that he, you know, other runners. He can, but sometimes you have to understand that everyone does in this league, maybe the two back kind of set, you know, given like 75% of the work and 25 spell, you got to spell the guy. So I love that call and it's a good guy to keep an eye on there in Carolina. So I appreciate that. And if all things are okay, Forget all the, the health concerns, and if we get normal football, let's just talk about the 2020 season. Who do you like? We don't have to stick centric to the teams here, Panthers, Dolphins. Who do you think are the two teams? Give me an AFC. Give me an NFC. Who are we maybe seeing on a collision course to the Super Bowl if we get there? <laughs> it's, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs, uh, especially considering they look like they've gotten better especially on the offensive side of the ball, you get a guy like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, at the running back position. And you had him with Damian Williams, who ended up having a really good season there for Kansas City. Uh, so, and you got Patrick Mahomes. If they can just stay healthy, then I, I think it's going to be hard to beat them, especially in the playoff setting. I thought that last year, too, despite uh, them not having the number one seed. I know a lot of people like Baltimore. Um, they still have some questions to – answer there as well but if you're looking for a team and I know a lot of people have kind of uh, look they thought they were gonna they were got a lot of hype last year but they didn't necessarily get they're not getting a lot of hype this year I like Cleveland just simply because they I like Kevin Stefanski I think he's gonna come in and do a really good job there they get Austin Hooper there uh they end up uh, drafting a guy Brian from FAU there uh like David big fan of his. yeah big me fan too of as well uh I know David Njoku is talking about potentially one out there but they still he runs a lot of tight two tight end sets 
you have two excellent running backs and uh, Kareem Hunt and also Nick Chubb there. And they've addressed the offensive line issues that they had. And it's really going to be all on Baker Mayfield. Uh, can he turn it around? I know last year part of it was protection issues. This year they've seen like they've kind of rectified that. And you also have two solid wide receivers in Jarvis Landry and also Odell Beckham. So I definitely think they have all the pieces to make a run in the, in the AFC there. So I, I really like the Browns there. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I definitely think they'll be a lot better than what people project them to be. And in the NFC, uh, I know a lot of people have kind of hyped them up with the Cardinals. I like the Arizona Cardinals mm, there. Okay. I like uh, Kyler Murray. I definitely think he made strides last year. And to get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins there, uh, that's really what they needed, a number one type receiver. And I like Kristen Kirk. Kristen Kirk there uh, – Definitely showed a lot last year. Then uh, Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake was such a big addition to them. There, the Dolphins traded him there, and he ended up putting up what the best season he ever had statistically there. And so to get him for a solid for a full year, also get uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I like I like uh, I like the um, Cardinals there, but they do play in a tough division with the 49ers and the Seahawks. But uh, it is an added playoff spot in both conferences now, so you kind of have to keep that in mind as well. Very good point. And I got to tell you, in the next 5, 10, 12 years, if we can see a Kyler Murray, Pat Mahomes Super Bowl, just, just take the over. Yeah. Just whatever you do. That <laughs> yeah, with those two offenses, yeah. Big fan of Kyler Murray. I'm a big fan of Kenyon Drake always, as you can see. You know, as a Dolphin fan, you got to have a special place in the heart for Kenyon Oh, Kenny yeah. Drake. Gotta have a special place. And that actually segues actually beautifully, Antoine, into back when you were covering the Dolphins, why don't you give us a little bit of like that history of how you, you know, got into football as a whole, covering the Dolphins, leading to where you are now, and then we'll kind of bring it back to your top moments as a beat writer for the Dolphins. A lot of memories with this franchise, and I know you were around for a couple. Uh, so I, I, so I, I guess I have to sum it up pretty quickly because I could go <laughs> on and on about me uh, getting into sports, but. I love sports just growing up, so I was just kind of a big fan there. Uh, got out of college with the undergrad at East Carolina, uh, so which is in North Greenville, North Carolina. So I ended up getting the opportunity to cover the Dolphins there. Um, so I moved down to South Florida, uh, worked for other organizations before I covered US before I worked for USA Today, but I was still covering the Dolphins from from 2012 to. 2019 beginning of it so yeah it was seven long years not a lot of winning but at the same time I definitely had a, a lot of good memories there uh but yeah it was such a fun organization the people were really nice uh never really had many run-ins with players uh there uh but yeah I definitely enjoyed my time covering the Dolphins there and uh, it's definitely I'm, – I'm happy to see that they're, they're getting at the right track. It seems like now something is starting to build there with Blind Four is there. You can just tell the day he was hired that, yeah, it's something different there. I didn't – I know people thought that about Adam Gase. I didn't necessarily feel that way, but I kind of <laughs> wanted to just we'll – just let it play out. Uh, I didn't want to be negative towards the hire, but obviously it didn't work out. But, yeah, just something with Flores is that he's just a different type of cat, not only – on the field, but also off of the field there and just uh, promoting his players and having them do the right thing. So uh, it seems like things are moving up, and especially the way they played late last year. Starting 0-7, and, and then you finish 5-11, and and that's pretty impressive there to me. Agree there. And, you know, you were uh, – if you can get, take us back to, you know, your, your 
the unbelievable moment in your Dolphin history, covering it, whether it's on the field, whether it's an interview, whether it's just anything in the nuance of your coverage. What was the, the top moment in your mind? You can give one or two, you know, no, no cap on it. Uh, I think the, the oddest moment is when, um, when they traded Jarvis Landry and um, we ended up having, we were doing a uh, special for him at the stadium. And then all of a sudden the, the day he got traded to Cleveland, they were still having it. So it was kind of weird in that oh. sense there. I've had, I've had a couple, I had a few memories there. Uh, That's weird. Uh, yeah. That was definitely weird there. And just talking Awkward. to him about being traded at the same time. Yeah. Oh. Uh I've had some good run-ins. I've had some uh, – definitely seen some other players. Uh, I remember a funny moment was uh, – well, so maybe not funny to him, but as far as Mike Pouncey, uh I remember his okay. last few uh, games with the Dolphins, and that was the year he had played all 16 games. And a lot of people have been writing them off, and he has ended up saying at the end of the year, he was, he was like – Yo, yo, you didn't believe in me. He started pointing at all the reporters that didn't think he was going to play in all 16 games because <laughs> players tell us they don't read every, know everything, but they read everything anyway. So he start, he knew everybody who said he, was, he probably wasn't going to play in all 16 games, and he, he wanted to prove people wrong. And he ended up uh, getting into a little bit of a heated argument with me and Omar Kelly about – how the Panth- how the Dolphins ended up owing him a certain amount of money the next year, and how he might be released, and so he was upset about that. And come to find out, he would end up being released too. So we kind of <laughs> saw the writing on the wall there. Uh-huh. Maybe he might have too, but uh, it, it's it's been a ton of memories that I can think of um, there, especially uh, also uh, probably Jarvis Landry getting upset uh, after the Baltimore Ravens forty to nothing loss. Uh, in Baltimore, that was that was another memory too. There, so yeah, it's it's been a ton of memories. I could probably be here all day just talking about them. <laughs> love it, love. It. I mean, Miami. That's what this the last decade, last two decades has kind of been about. Not a lot of winning. There's been some tremendous, unbelievable moments, but it just kind of feels like those moments kind of go down right after. It's like after the Miami Miracle, they lost three straight. End of the season, they had like a slight little window to make the play, but I feel like. As you mentioned, Brian Flores kind of turning the tide. They started 0-7, finished 5-11. and The last month and a half of the season, they, they played competitive football. I mean, they yeah. were in every – save one game. They were really in every game. The Giants beat them pretty bad. But uh, if you really look at everything, they are on the up and up. And it's been long enough into the show where we have not met, mentioned Tua yet, but I need to get your opinion on Tua Tonga-Valoa, and I really would love to know your opinion on what do you do? Do you throw him in? Do you redshirt him? Where are your thoughts on the Tua Tonga-Valoa? Good problem to have. Oh, when yeah. do you play the franchise? For me, um, with him, I think he's the best quarterback in the draft. Like, I just think that – I think the the reason he slipped the way he did was one, Joe Burrow had an outstanding senior season at LSU. Uh, I think that factor in. And also the injury. I definitely think the injury also – Factor in with Tua falling to number five, which uh, is a good problem to have. I could tell you the Dolphins were looking at Tua ever since he was that championship game against Georgia. They've been projected, yeah, they've been projected to try to get him by any means necessary. People were excited about him ever since then, and that was uh, 2018. Uh, Yeah, so they've been really excited to try to have an opportunity to get him and just to have him fall in his hands. 
at number five. I think that was great there. As far as him starting, I, normally I'm a guy that just says, just throw him in there. Just throw him in there to see what they can do. But without any kind of offseason program to, uh, with the team, I don't know. I don't know. I would definitely need to see how he does in training camp there. I probably would start with Fitzpatrick simply because he's a veteran. The players love love him. Uh, it seems like they love, they enjoy playing for him. And I don't think you want to necessarily mess that up too, especially when the players have not seen what Tua can do on the field for a long period of time playing with him. If they had had a whole off season, like normally where they play with Tua, caught balls for him, and he had outplayed Fitzpatrick, then yeah, especially with now, it's not going to be any kind of preseason games, it looks like. So yeah, I would probably start out with Fitzpatrick there just to see how things go. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, Tua were to get a red shirt the entire year there. I think it's going to depend on a couple things. I th- the Dolphins, how well, how good they're going to be. Uh, if they're a team that's going to be close to 500 or above that, then I definitely think you're going to see Fitzpatrick for the whole year. But if they start to struggle towards the end of the year, I definitely think you see Tua and just throw them in there and get the fans excited for seeing them. So and this is going to be – it's very – for me, I would definitely uh, hold off on starting them just considering, considering the circumstances, what's going on. I, I'm with you. I mean, and in the circles of the Dolphin fans, I mean, you, you ask 100 people, there's going to be probably like 73 different answers. But like, you know, the rest of them are going to kind of like pick and choose from each of them. We want to see him week seven. We want to see him against Joe Burrow. We want to see him the last week. But wait a minute, as you mentioned, what if Ryan Fitzpatrick is leading this team to, you know, four and three? You got to kind of let that go. What if the 32nd overall offensive rank offensive line from last year is still bottom five, six, seven in the league. I wouldn't put any quarterback behind no. that who's the franchise. So I like where you're going with that. I can't wait to see Tua. I can't wait. Me either. I, I'm looking forward to it as well. But, yeah, you definitely don't want to rush the whole process. Exactly. It's like you can't wait, but I don't want to rush it. And that's perfect mindset there. So moving on from Tua and moving on from that, you are – uh, you know, like myself, I always see you having some fun stuff on Twitter uh, with the 1990s. That is just, uh, if I can go back in time, send, send me back to 1990 and give me the whole decade. So if you can tell me your, your memories, whether it's sports, just pop culture, give me a perfect Sunday, a football Sunday uh, in December in the uh, middle of the 90s for you. Well, I was a kid back then, so uh, probably for me just – Watching, I remember the early 90s, it'd be to kind of bring it here with the Dolphins just watching AFC East battles. Because back then, North Carolina didn't have a football team. So it was kind of like um, you had to pick and choose what your team was. I know a lot of North Carolina was Redskins country, but I kind of used to just watch everything there. Um, kind of grew up uh, rooting for the Raiders there. But at the same time, I love watching Dan, Dan Marino was one of my favorite quarterbacks ever, one of my favorite players watching. Uh, players to watch ever uh so watching him and Jim Kelly battle it out there um that that used to be that was like really the height of the AFC East for me there uh so just watching the two Hall of Fame quarterbacks you knew both of them were just great just going at it there and kind of hoping 42 to 38 just amazing yeah, uh, and my aunt was a big is, – is still a big Dolphins fan too. So uh, just watching football with them and the family uh, just really made for good times there. So, yeah, that would, that would be any, anything really on Sunday. I was pretty much watching sports, uh, whether it be football, basketball, baseball. Uh, you pretty much name it. I was definitely doing it there. But, yeah, I just love uh, 
just watching that time of the era of football where uh, it wasn't as touchy-feely as far as the calls as it is now. Uh, it was a little <laughs> bit more uh, ruthless, and you kind of got away with a lot more. So I definitely enjoyed watching football back then. As a, I enjoy watching now, but it's just different compared to Much what different. it was back then. Much different. You kind of appreciate the 5,000-yard, 40-touchdown season from a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get that too often there. Nothing wrong with it now. It's impressive now because, you know, you see the, the physical ability of some of these quarterbacks. But when, you know, those 1990s quarterbacks were getting popped in the mouth and no flag was coming out, like every play. I mean, Marino was getting hit after he threw. Kelly was getting hit after he threw. No, no yellow was coming out of the refs. So Yeah, yeah for me, I was just going to say, for me, 40,000 yards and like 30 touchdowns is still a really good season for me. But I guess this is kind of the era we grew up in. Now it's kind of people just kind of uh, stick their nose at it because people were throwing for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards on the regular. But, yeah, I – I still think it's a anytime you pass for four thousand yards and have over thirty touchdowns, uh, it's still an impressive season to be. Totally agree. And uh, look, Pat Mahomes is probably on his way to being the best quarterback ever. Yeah, I, I would say as long as he no stays healthy. Yeah, There's yeah. No, nothing wrong with that over there. So uh, basically, the last kind of thing I want to ask you really is your your overall prediction for the two thousand twenty Dolphins in your in your unbiased journalistic hat on, not the Red Sox hat on, because you're a Red Sox fan too, so I give you a lot of credit. Dolphins, Red Sox. <laughs> you, you did get your championship, so, you know, but you were growing up in, in, in heartache town with baseball and football was. just not getting there, so God bless you, my man. But uh, how, how do you think it's going to be for us Dolphin fans heading on into 2020? I think, I mean, when you have a play, that much turnover that they had, uh, I definitely think it's going to be some ups and downs for the Dolphins, but I really like it. this is the first time I think in like 20 years it's up in the air really in that whole division you can go the Dolphins Bill Dolphins Bills Patriots and Jets all four of them I think has a chance to win the division to be completely honest because it's that up in the air and I think it creates a lot of excitement um I think I think the Dolphins for me I would probably say nine and seven I really think they have a, a really good opportunity to they're going to win some they're going to upset some people uh, I don't think anybody's running away with this division. I think New England may win it, uh, but it might be a 10-6. and six. That's how close I think it might be one of those situations where it's like a 10-6, and 9-7, 8-8, and, eight and eight, or a 6-10 or whatever. I think the Jets will probably finish in last place just because uh, they have a lot more uncertainty than I think the rest of the other teams in that division there. Buffalo, uh, I think getting Stephon Diggs is definitely big there. I think it's going to all come to what Josh Allen and his maturation continue. If he can continue, if he can, can he become that quarterback that I think some people think he can be, which I think sort of like – he reminds me a lot of Cam Newton. So if he can continue to uh, uh, control his accuracy and get better in that area, then I think the Bills will definitely be there as well. Uh, but I just like what the Dolphins are doing. I really do. I definitely think that, um, for me, just the way they filled the holes with the offensive line, getting um, players like Con Van Oy there, uh, Shaq Lawson there. I definitely like that move there as well. Byron Jones, uh, tag along with Xavier and Howard. You can get him back healthy, who I thought was one of the best cornerbacks in football when uh, he's right. I, I really like the direction that they're going in. And it seems like Flores is starting to build this, like how – the Patriots are kind of doing their things throughout the years there. So I still think it's going to take a little bit of time to get where they want to go. 
but I definitely think you'll see the uh, you'll see the difference this upcoming year. So I'll pick them nine and seven. I definitely eight and eight, nine and seven. I think it's a good sweet spot for the Dolphins and it's a good start point. It's exactly where I'm at. If I had that one game up or down wiggle room, I'm going eight nine wins. And with that seventh added playoff spot in this kind of division, who knows? who knows, right? Like you said, you know, nine and seven can win the division. You know, but, you know, another nine and seven, which is losing that tie break and still get you into the playoffs if that's, you know, the way that the cookie crumbles. But, you know, I, I do want to really appreciate this, uh, you know, this time, Antoine. Thank you so much for coming on. I want to give you an opportunity now just to let everyone know once again where to find your work, any projects that you're working on, what's going on in your world. Uh, you find me at Antoine Staley on Twitter. Also find my work at the Riot Report there as well. And uh, even though I'm not covering the Dolphins uh, anymore, but I still talk just about everything football-wise. So uh, I, I'd like to believe I'm a good follower. So, yeah, you can follow me there at Antoine. Oh, Stanley fantastic. Yeah. Dude, fantastic. I mean, if you don't follow Antoine, you got to follow him. Are you a fantasy guy, Antoine? Yeah, I am, uh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get you to check the DM soon. We got a couple of league openings uh, in Dolphin okay. World that we can maybe get you on into. And, uh, you know, for everyone else out there, you know, come listen to, you know, everything over on the Fanatics Network. This is a version of the deep dive. That Anton, you are the first guest. You are the inaugural guest outside oh. of the Fanatics Network on the deep dive, which will be a weekly show with me and uh, the personalities in and around the Dolphin community. So if you ever so want to pull up our oh, – <laughs> If you ever want to call us up our hotline, give a hot take, we can, of course, you know, reference you and let everyone know on the hotline. That number is 786-309-7558. The folks over at the network, Brian Byrne, Savak Melton, and Jimmy Kearns are fantastic. So uh, we're here for you on the network and the deep dive. Antoine of the Riot Report, Carolina Panthers, and one of the best former Dolphin Beat Riders from USA Today. It's been a pleasure, Antoine. Follow him. Have a great weekend and a week and stay healthy. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. You got it, my man. Be well. All right.